Welcome to the Meta Woman Podcast. We address the issues, opportunities, and challenges facing women in the development of the metaverse, the biggest revolution since the internet itself. Every week, we bring you conversations with top female talent and business executives operating in the gaming and crypto industries. Here's your host, Lindsay the Boss Poss. The Meta Woman Podcast starts now. Hello, and welcome to the Meta Woman Podcast, part of the Holodeck Media Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lindsay the Boss Poss, from Struggle to Success, Recovering It All. To our returning listeners, you've heard this spiel before, but thank you so much for supporting the show. Please be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. It really helps people find the show, and that's super important to us. And for our new listeners, welcome. I hope you enjoyed this episode, for which we have an awesome guest. I'm so excited to introduce Erica Mollett, CEO of EdTech and Entertainment Company, Kandake. Did I say that correctly? Kandake. Kandake Tech which I also uh, did a little bit of research on your name, has an awesome, has awesome roots with um, some Nubian queens and very cool, um, really, really cool etymology. So Kandake Tech. Erica, welcome to the show. To start, please feel free to introduce yourself. Give us a couple sentences of background and a little bit of the Erica Mollett story. Hi, yes, Erica Mollett. So happy to be here. Mollett. And, Why didn't uh, you cut me off earlier and say that? <laughs> do you want to do your intro over? <laughs> no, we're going to stick with it because I think it's important to recognize that you can make mistakes and bounce back. But absolutely, absolutely. Mullet. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard it all. Mullet, 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 you name it. So you were closer than most. <laughs> <laughs> well, I but, appreciate that. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you for having me. Um, I am the CEO of Kandake Tech. We are an ed tech company. We develop platforms uh, and apps. And really, each of the innovations we've had thus far have been knee-jerk reactions to everything that's going on in my own home. I've got two boys. They're now 14 and 16. And I started this ed tech journey um, in 2020, right at the end of 2020. And so Kandake, we really focus on EdTech platforms that lean into the passions of kids, but also help to connect the dots between their passions, their classroom, and their future careers. So the one that you've mentioned or that we're going to talk about the most today, I believe, is Banneke.com. And yeah, Banneke is focused on artists, gamers, and those who want to be entertainers or content creators. And uh, yeah, so that's what I do. That's what I do. Can you talk a little bit about what motivated you to start this program? I know your kids were a huge motivation, but what were you not seeing in the space for your kids or what were you wanting to add to the space uh, that was kind of new and different? Yeah, so I would definitely have to say that um, being the mom of a very avid athlete, as my older son Kyle is, and an avid gamer, as my younger son Tyler is, uh, I realized that there's something magical about watching your kids pursue their passions. And as parents, we love that. But oftentimes, if your kid is a gamer or your kid's into anime or your kid is in, wants to be a YouTuber, uh, it's harder for parents of teenagers to understand how to support their kids in those ways. And so what it turns into is, get off the game. It's ruining your mind. Or what is anime? You shouldn't be watching that. Or YouTuber, you know, it's just not safe out there on the world wide web. I don't want your face and your likeness out there. But what I started to realize with my younger son is that watching YouTube and being a gamer 
really inspired him to want to learn to build gaming PCs and to be more vocal about his opinion on things and to build a community around himself that was actually global, even though it wasn't IRL, you know, they were friends in Canada or Louisiana and other places. These were real people. And, you know, there's a toxicity, of course, that, you know, exists in gaming or exists in the social media space, but there's toxicity in the real world too. Uh, so I really Absolutely. had to come through and realize all of the positives that could come through a curated experience online that supported their passions and really helped our teens to start to be forward thinkers and realize how they could be the next innovators in these multi-billion dollar spaces, uh, as well as help parents to be able to see the same. And so I, what I, to answer your question, what I saw missing in EdTech was that it's very siloed. You know, you've got your ABC mouse and those that are really targeted at elementary school students in a very fun and lighthearted way. But when you got to middle school and high school, oftentimes ed tech content was very uninspiring. And so your kids often had to rely on YouTube and TikTok and things for the things that they actually wanted to learn and to see it delivered in a way that was cool to them. And so I wanted to say, how can I make sure my kid is learning and leaning into their passion? But how can I also make sure that it's safe and curated? That's super cool because I think it's it's almost like every couple months there's some story about um, a parent um, being upset with the gaming industry, which there's, yeah. as you've pointed out, there's plenty of things to be upset about. But there's also been dozens of studies and things that have found, well, you know, the collaboration you learn, the communication you learn, it can be very similar to a lot of other programs and it can be so helpful. Right. So yeah. I'm I'm glad to hear that that was kind of the part that you focused on. Because um, there are so many skills from soft skills to hard skills like coding and software development or even interest in sound design or graphic design or there's a, yeah. a billion different ways to get involved. You're you're totally right. And there's so much bad news. <laughs> it's really disappointing. It's like, oh, yes. there was actually not too long ago an Illinois state senator that introduced legislation that said that Grand Theft Auto GTA five was leading to a bunch of looting in the city. And it was like, come on. Oh my that's... gosh. What was the excuse before GTA? You know, right. we, these adults don't always act right. We've been acting up ourselves and we're not even on YouTube, <laughs> TikTok and video games. So clearly it's not the games themselves or, you know, the industries themselves. There's just, you know, there's some societal things that can address that. <laughs> totally agree with you. And that's such a great way of saying it. So I really appreciate that perspective. What was it like for you launching a business during the height of COVID? Because the end of 2020, that's quite a time to launch a yeah. business. Yeah, it was. You know, I would say that COVID and the pandemic and all of the social injustices that were constantly on our television screens mm -hmm. created their own emotional toll on all of us. And, that, and those were those were the bad things. Those were things that were really, really bad about that time. Um, as an entrepreneur who also owns other companies, the good things that came from that same period were because, you know, I had I had business that just kind of went away right at the time that the NBA shut down. And, you know, we mm -hmm. all began to see, oh, holy moly, uh, this pan, this COVID-19 thing, this coronavirus thing that we keep hearing about in the peripheral, it's real, it's here, and it's happening. 
Uh, you know, so it was scary from a business perspective. But then once I got past that moment and realized that there were going to be, uh, you know, the idle loans and the PPP loans and all of those other things to help mm-hmm. sustain me. I looked up and realized that I had nothing but time and space to take some of those ideas off the shelf that I never really had time to cultivate. And so whereas we started ideating on uh, Banneke, I don't think Banneke even had a name until we got into the pandemic, honestly, but just really uh, saying, how can I go ahead and use this time now that I know that we'll at least be able to keep the lights on, you know, my husband he, he works for Amazon, so we were going to be fine. Uh, but I now had time to really just innovate. And that space, that space of the pandemic really helped me to, A, see some of the gaps when it came to our kids' emotional development. So it created a sense of urgency emotionally. Mm-hmm. But it also meant that all of the people in the world, whether they are from Nike or PlayStation or FaZe Clan or Riot Games or Epic Games and NBA and others, Everyone was at home too. So they had nothing but time to answer my LinkedIn DMs. And uh, and so I just started going around and selling the dream of what I wanted to build and how I wanted to impact our communities. And so, you know, the pandemic was that downtime was good for me because I was able to cultivate a vision and start putting strategy and time behind it and also get a lot of other people who wanted to lean in and fill in that gap for our kids, as well as from a social injustice perspective and looking at everything that had been happening with, with, you know, with George Floyd and Tatiana Jeffries, mm-hmm. as well yeah. as Mont Aubrey and all of the others, so many companies were making it a priority mm-hmm. to give back and to be a part of the solution. And so we were able to, uh, to kind of accelerate the growth of this idea. You know, we're still bootstrapped. We're still moving at a pace that makes sense for us. And we look to accelerate that this year but that you know that's that's what it was for me building during the pandemic it was a great time to innovate and to build an army of support around us well i'm glad that you brought up kind of the period of social injustice and the fact that a lot of companies were stepping forward and saying that they wanted to support initiatives i think it's important that you started something where you're actually insisting that they follow through on that as well. Um, Cause we all got the billion emails of we stand with racial justice and those emails were great at yeah. times. It was a little, um, I don't know what the word is, but it was a little, uh, <laughs> well also some of the companies that sent them out, I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, I don't, <laughs> that's great that Plato's closet supports racial injustice. I don't know exactly what they're doing for that but I you know know, it's like everyone was sending out emails um which is is great but you make a good point or or kind of pushing that step further to actually do something to show support to give an entrepreneurial um idea like yours some leverage or some ground is an important aspect of going beyond the emails um, and speaking of that, I know that you've announced some really awesome partnerships and programs and you, you've mentioned some names just there, but can, can you tell everyone a little bit more about what programs you've been able to bring on and what sponsorships you're, who you're working with and what that looks like? Sure. So I'll talk about some of the things we've done in the past. Um, and some of the things that are still in development, um, they're, we're not able to announce just yet, but I will say, um, that some of the bigger partnerships. And, you know, for me, for, for our companies, you know, our, our initial ask was never just, hey, can you give us money? Um, 
it has always been, can you give us time? Can you give us advice? Can you donate your intellect to this generation? And so we've been able to do some really cool things with, uh, as it relates exclusively to Banneke, we've worked with Microsoft and Microsoft Xbox, as well as Warner Brothers, FaZe Clan, uh, representative from Riot Games, as well as Exit. Um, and we did an event during the summer as Space Jam, as the Space Jam movie was going to be launched because Microsoft had created a really cool coding program focused on uh, or themed by the Space Jam movie. And so I reached out to, uh, to their group, to Margaret Price, and said, hey, I think it's really cool. Let's talk about some ways that maybe we can we can get this out to the world because it's a really cool perspective. And so we came together and during the summer, we did a live streamed event. We streamed from Face Clan and it was called Find Your Seat in Tech, Gaming and Entertainment. And so we had folks like Skeptic and Face Blaze and Face Swag. And as I mentioned, Riot Games, Exit, Microsoft Xbox, Face Clan, lots of other people helping students, over 1,100 kids around the world learn about all of the careers behind the cool things that they love. They also had a gaming tournament and they got to play against some folks from Exit. Um, and they had lots of prizes that Microsoft provided. So that, and we used the theme and the, you know, the hype of, of the Space Jam movie, which was really focused not just on LeBron James' son wanting to play basketball. It was, it was the opposite. LeBron James' son wanted to be a gamer. He wanted to design games. And so there was this really cool, almost metaverse type of experience in the movie, actually. And so being able to see that dynamic changing in the world uh, where someone like LeBron James is validating gaming and cinema and things. Um, mm -hmm. So that's what we were able to do. We have also are have done some really cool community work with Microsoft and Microsoft Xbox uh, and others. In fact, we'll be doing some things for the students in Cleveland here soon during All-Star Weekend. And, uh, and yeah, there's just a lot more. We work, you know, much of what Bandicke is building right now is focused on masterclasses that blend both live experiences with project-based learning so a kid can uh, learn from someone in the industry. And right now we're working with Sergio Guadarrama, who's a well-known uh, couture fashion designer. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, and he's going to be designing, he's designing a couture gown from upcycled materials with our students. And uh, and so, yes, we'll be doing more in that lane and building gaming PCs and all kinds of things with some really great people. I love the um, collaboration with Sergio Guadarrama as as when I think back on my high school days and um, being able to I mean, I was a huge Project Runway watcher. It was yeah. it was definitely a huge passion of mine so that I, I can just imagine the excitement of the students working on that that project and how cool that must be. Um, yeah. And I love the sustainability aspect of it, too. Really cool to bring that in. Absolutely. So, absolutely. Very neat. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your background as well, because you have done, as you mentioned, you're an entrepreneur. You've opened mm -hmm. a couple different businesses now in a lot of different areas. And I would love to hear about how your background in that, in local government, in economics, first of all, what that background is, and secondly, how it's helped uh, start this program and what you've been doing with Banneke and, and your other companies now. Sure. So, uh, yes, I am a serial entrepreneur, and I would dare to say most serial entrepreneurs don't get in it because we're, because we're gluttons for punishment. Um, it's because it just, it just happens. And, you know, when you're innovating and you feel like what you're creating is needed in the world, you can't 
wait five years and you know put it on the shelf. It's got to change the world today. Otherwise, what's the point? And so, uh, so I, my original company is called Expansion Solutions. We do workforce and economic development consulting. Uh, and so we work with clients, school districts, cities, colleges, companies around the country in helping primarily to build innovative and diverse talent pipelines, starting with bringing companies like Nike or Xbox and others into the classroom, uh, whether it's in rural North Carolina or in Dallas or New York, et cetera, so that students are learning, for example, all of the careers behind a sneaker and they're able to design their own sneaker and create their own distribution plan and things like that so that they're starting to learn STEM or STEAM-based careers uh, and talent pipelines. Expansion Solutions does a lot more uh, than just that. We also help cities really understand how to build cohesive uh, economic development plans that incorporates and recognizes the interdependency of a a company that you've attracted to your city that may be bringing high net worth jobs well, if they can't find the talent pipeline that can keep up with their the growth of their industry, then you're going to lose that company. And if you lose that company, then the economics in your city are going to be impacted. You won't have that tax revenues for, for mm-hmm. infrastructure or to elevate in parks and recs, et cetera. Uh, but if a school district doesn't understand the, the growing needs of, of companies to inform curriculum, how can they prepare those talent pipelines? And so we really help them to create uh, cohesive strategies, whether it is in tech and gaming or it's in the medical field or if it's in manufacturing and engineering or you name it, we work in a lot of different ways, uh, our lanes to help companies and cities and regions to grow together uh, and bring their residents along with them so that their positive impacts of gentrification can be seen versus the negative. And so, yeah, so that's what we do. Um, I also have a nonprofit called Beyond the Ball. And it was inspired by my older son, where Banneke was inspired by my younger son. Kyle loves basketball. He's pretty, he was pretty passionate about that from 10 until recently 15. Um, you know, that was his path. And I saw that so many boys of color often float through their K through 12 on the guaranteed aspiration that they will become a pro player but they don't realize, and even if they hear that they have less than 2% chance of accomplishing that goal, most of them still believe they'll be a part of that 2%. Um, and it's not until they get to high school or they graduate high school that they realize it's not going to happen. And there's just so much um, unmet unmet um, potential because they didn't take such a strong focus on their math classes or their science classes or academics, or they didn't have other goals to fall back on and mom and dad in the Mm -hmm. community, et cetera, that you're going to the MBA, John. And John's like, that's great. I don't need algebra, you know? And so Johnny gets all the way to his senior year and let, he steps off the curb and hurts his ankle or he's injured in a game or Mm -hmm. he doesn't make the D1 scholarship. And now, you know, a kid who could have been a sports medicine doctor or a stadium architect, et cetera, had he only been told about those things and inspired, uh, he's kind of living a life well beneath his potential. And so Beyond the Ball exposes students to the math and science behind the sports they love and all the innovative careers they can have beyond the court field or the track. And so we've done that really well with uh, companies, many of the companies that I've already mentioned, and we'll be doing a lot more of that this year. 
I'm feeling a little bit attacked because I thought I was going to be the first woman player in the NBA when I was growing up. (laughs) (laughs) I was determined after seeing Love and Basketball and I did play in college and it was great. (laughs) Yeah. Right. You can relate. Absolutely. I mean, you're you're totally right. And I like this. I like this hands on approach of fostering uh, any any. you know, really fostering the interest that the the students pick up along the way. I do think that really often people get really stuck, especially when it gets to college, uh, in choosing a major, choosing a career path, or even, even if you don't choose to go to college, like when you graduate high school, you kind of lose a lot of resources that you once had. So it's, it's good to start young and have people start figuring out kind of what their passions are and exploring that whole field rather than like you said just trying to become the nba player um so that's that's really cool and it's something that i've been thinking a lot about lately um Mm -hmm. as my nieces and nephews get to college age um and you know you graduate high school and and you're kind of done (laughs) for a second we just throw young adults out into the world and they're kind of like well yeah figure it out so (laughs) exactly Yeah, you're right. And it's and it is when you get in, if you're if you're blessed enough to make it to college sports, oftentimes, a your college experience is nothing like the average student because you're so busy, you know, from the time you wake up to the time you go to (laughs) Mm -hmm. sleep. So you miss out on that period of youthfulness uh, because you don't get to have that experience. I mean, you have a whole nother experience, which, you know, is Mm -hmm. sometimes even better, but you miss some of those components. But even then, you know, going from college to pro, I would dare say, even especially as a girl, there are very, there are even fewer big opportunities for you. Uh, and so, and now your family's like, you graduated from college, you got to play all the way through. Now, what in the world are you gonna do with your life? You're like, uh, who prepared me for anything else? When did I have time to cultivate anything else? And you know, I've got to figure that out for myself now. But athletes bring such a unique value to the world that Mm -hmm. the person who never played sports doesn't bring like me I can't run a mile without stopping and I will tell myself I'm just I'm proud of myself I made half a mile and my girlfriend's like don't you give up on you (laughs) see if I had been an athlete I would never have given up until the mile was done right Mm -hmm. and there's so many social skills that athletes have so I'm never the one to say don't let your kid play sports just let your kids go to science camp because, you know, there's socialization skills. There's this hunger to win and to never give up. And you're competitive mm-hmm. as heck. And when you, but you know how to rally a team, you know how to lose mm-hmm. together and they keep going. Those are skills that come from sports, but oftentimes the world doesn't prepare athletes for what's next. And mm-hmm. so, you know, so I think uh, you figure it out because athletes are just resilient and they don't give up. Uh, but we wanted to make sure through Beyond the Ball that they were prepared to say, hey, basketball's over. That's OK. I'll just go be a rocket scientist now, you know. <laughs> I love that. I think that there's the deeper because I grew up heavy in athletics, uh, very similar to your older son. But I will say the more I've spent time in the gaming community, the more of those same values mm-hmm. I, I definitely can see. So I think it's cool that you're doing both. Talk about persistence. I've watched gamers play the same level of something. 
thousands of times trying to get it right. Like that is some real persistence and determination. So I definitely think that there's so much overlap in those communities. So I think it's really neat that you're doing similar things in both um, as someone who kind of has a foothold in both, but it's definitely more on the athletic side for sure. It's really cool to hear um, those things be translated into both industries. I wanted to, to push a little bit more about that and talk about what other educational orgs can do, not only to promote diversity and inclusion, but to, to do what you've been talking about in kind of cultivating interests and building out future plans for the people and the kids that they're trying to serve. What are some of the things that either you've learned or you've implemented in, in these orgs that you think would help other educational orgs push themselves further and better serve some of the students that you're trying to serve? Yeah. So the first thing that I'll say is um, a point of clarification that often gets lost because I am a minority. I am a woman. I am a mom of black boys. It's often mm-hmm. assumed that what I'm building is only for minority children. You know, we are a broad marketplace option for every family regardless of their socioeconomic background or gender or race, social, sexual preference, et cetera. This is for kids, mm-hmm. uh, period. But what I will say is that from a diversity, equity, and inclusion, oftentimes people just say D and I, but it's D-E-I, without equity in the middle for women and for minorities, then you can bring us all to the table. But if we make you know half of what you make and we have no opportunity to elevate then you still haven't done anything. You haven't moved the needle. Um, So what I would say about diversity, equity, and inclusion is DEI should be synonymous with ROI. You know, we are, as a family, the Millettes, we have the healthy incomes that it requires for me to be able to afford to buy all of these computer parts that Tyler Mm -hmm. needs all the time. You know, if anyone knows how much a 3080 costs, then you know what I'm dealing with financially over here. Oh God, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Exactly. But how often are companies that sell these computer parts or companies that sell gaming headsets, et cetera, really advertising to minorities and and young people in the same way that they do other markets. So that means that you're leaving money on the ground when you are not investing your time and efforts into these other communities. When you think DEI, perhaps you shouldn't just think, let's create some type of special program for for girls or this special small program uh, for poor Black children in suburban communities, up in urban communities. Maybe you should think there's a whole group of people, millions of them, that we're not even asking for money. But then when you go back and say, how do we ask for money if we haven't built a relationship? So then if you really care about that money, then the first thing you're going to do is say, how do we make sure we hire people internally that reflect the voice and reality of these groups that we're trying to serve so that we can build the relationships and build marketing strategies that won't come off as cheesy or out of touch that will make them feel welcome to be our consumer. Mm-hmm. So they must be your employees so that they can help you create that authentic voice and perspective. And then they can become your consumer. 
So I think, you know, from a DEI perspective, if companies that really are, even if you're only about the dollars and you are a closet racist or a sexist, if you only focus on the fact that a company, a for-profit company can't grow to the, it, it can grow to even greater levels if you really just engage more audiences. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's one of the ways to look at DEI if I'm a CEO of a major company. Another way is to say your company can't grow without the talent. And there are lots of people and we know there are always talent shortfalls. There's always a workforce gap, especially in medicine or in technology and all of these other areas. There are kids out here who are freaking brilliant. They just need to be nurtured and they need to be publicly invited to the table. And so from a DEI perspective, starting to prime the pump and make them aware of these cool jobs, giving them the tools to be able to be prepared. And this generation, I always say Gen Z kids are just built different. They're far more brilliant than Gen X's and they're far more brilliant than the millennials because they have the power of YouTube and TikTok to learn anything they want to learn. And they're bold Mm -hmm. enough to know that they can actually be the expert in the room just by opening up their own YouTube account, you know? And so they're not afraid to share their opinion. They're not, they, they don't have to wait for their school system to teach them anything. Tyler learned how to build gaming PCs from watching obsessive amounts of YouTube videos. And I didn't even know that until I overheard him tell his friend, man, we should just build our own gaming PC. And I was like, I'll invest in the first one. And I said, let me find someone to teach you. He's like, I don't need you to find someone to teach me. I've already learned on YouTube. And so who wouldn't want a kid like Tyler on their team? And so, you know, for DEI, looking at it from a talent pipeline and an ROI perspective should be enough value proposition for it to be a priority. I love the line DEI should be synonymous with ROI. Uh, that's awesome. And I will say as someone who hosts the meta woman podcast, I it's come up several times that I, I feel the same way where it's like, we we are starting with women here. It's an easy point to start with, but there's so many other groups of people that can relate, to, I think, to this content. I think practically everyone can. It's not, I yeah. feel the same way. It's it's not, we're not, you know, you're not just there to support minorities. You're there to support everyone. And yeah. by supporting everyone, you're only welcoming, you know, more voices, more consumers, more interests. You're only widening the community that's possible exactly. for you to reach. So there's no reason to not support that. Um yeah. One of my one of my dream papers to write is uh, the economic case for including women in gaming, really backing that up with tons of data and presenting it and basically saying, see, I told you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm with you there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I know we've talked a lot about how Banneke supports gamers and you have started to touch on this quite a bit. But I, Mm -hmm. I like that you're really focusing on the passions of the Gen Z audience. So can you talk about the things outside of gaming that you guys are working with or even things adjacent? I know you've mentioned anime, you've mentioned fashion design, a lot of music. A lot of these things are extremely adjacent, if not included in the gaming industry. But Mm -hmm. can you tell me more about some of those more tangential projects you have going on? Sure. Yeah. So Banneke is really focused on, as I mentioned, artists, gamers and entertainers slash content creators. And the reason we focus on those three audiences is because, you know, it's easy for parents and society to get behind supporting student athletes. We understand sports. 
You can sit on the sideline and you can cheer your baby on. You can be a part of the moment. But if your kid's a gamer, they're not going to let you put on a headset or join their court, their Discord channel. You have no idea what's going on. And so there's really no way for you. That's so true. <laughs> so it's just like, look, mom, supporting me means getting me good Wi-Fi and leaving me alone for the next 12 hours. And a parent, it's hard for parents to say, to say yes to that. I don't, I don't say yes to that. I make my kid come out of the room sometime. But, you know, for kids who love anime or kids who want to be YouTubers as well, we as parents often, uh, A, we as parents don't often understand how to support them. Therefore, we admonish our kids for those passions, especially when they become teenagers. So then we widen the divide between us as their parent and them feeling ashamed of their passions just because we don't get it. And because we do know there are dangers that can exist. Again, dangers are everywhere. But, you know, if we can support it, then we can help curate it. Uh, And secondly, for our kids, often gamers, their friends aren't the kids in their neighborhood. Their friends are the kids that they play with on these games. And so and the same with anime, you know, these things are often just you looking into a camera, you with a headset, you and just your little bubble. And those kids need to be validated. And so Bandicoot really does focus on leaning into all of those industries, whether it is the fashion industry or it's anime or it's working with, you know, filmmakers and content creators or techies so that kids can start learning about all of the things that they can do, as you mentioned a little earlier, you know, graphic graphic design, music choreography, dance choreography, animation, storytelling. There's so many different things that go into not just creating a movie, but also into gaming these days as well as, and I know we're going to talk about the metaverse here soon, but there are just so mm-hmm. many real careers that really do exist that mom and kids don't know about. And so Banneke really exists to serve all of those different areas and guess what? In three years, those interests will change for the next generation. And so we'll have to shift with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, but as of, as of now, these are the interests of these kids. And so we've really got to lean into it. And I think, you know, Banneke has a great opportunity as a for profit company to uh, to fill a gap in ed tech uh, in a way that's authentic because we have what's called our Banneke squad. And these mm-hmm. are kids who are anywhere from sixth grade through 12th grade there, you know, we are intentionally very diverse from a cultural perspective, gender perspective, age and interest perspective, so that we are really understanding the pulse of what's happening. And we're not just limiting it to my perspective as a mom of mm-hmm. Kyla Tyler. Uh, and so, yeah, so that's, so that's what we're doing. We're always open to more support and more industry leaders coming to the table to uh, to help us groom these kids. Very cool. I think you've already touched on the metaverse a bit. And one of the, the cool things I think that you've brought up is that the kids that you're working with are kind of already in it. They can pull up YouTube and learn anything. They are connecting with people around the world and through a whole bunch of different platforms that maybe aren't as popular um, with millennial or Gen X audiences. But can yeah. you speak a little bit more about the role that you see EdTech playing in shaping the metaverse and what that's going to look like? Woo. Well, you know, <laughs> I know the metaverse. <laughs> yeah. you know, I, 
anyone that speaks on the metaverse is making it up as they go along because you know it's you're right absolutely you, <laughs> <but> <laughs> myself included up, yes i'm gonna make it up too. no but <laughs> i would say that you know one thing that i decided early on like i was very a very late adopter of facebook and like I didn't even have a MySpace account, I don't think, or I got it right before no one's no one was on there anymore. Um, and I decided at that time that I would never be late to the party again, um, especially when it was very clear that there were enough powers that be that were going to make it happen. And when you look at you look at Mark Zuckerberg, you look at Tim Sweeney and you look at others who are really forcing the metaverse to exist. Bless you. Thank um, you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you're good. The reality is it's coming regardless. And it's a natural for those who are, uh, who play Fortnite and, you know, things like that and like VR and all that good stuff. This is a natural progression. Um, you know, lots of people in my generation are like, it's going to ruin the world. Everyone's going to be very inward and they're not going to, you know, we're going to lose socialization and things like that. I don't, you know, but they also said that about cars. They also said that about, you know, alcohol. They also said the that Gutenberg about- press. Yeah. Books. They said, you know, the world is going to evolve, period, because that's what we as humans do. And so as it relates to the metaverse, you know, I think there are. It's just going to be interesting. I don't have an opinion on whether it's good or bad. I just know that it's going to be. And as it relates to EdTech and its role inside the metaverse, I believe that for education, the more experiential education is, the more it sticks. And it can only be good for curated, safe, quality education to exist in the metaverse because for a kid Mm -hmm. to volunteer to be immersed in this type of world, if it's done well, then kids can learn. Just imagine a kid learning math experientially or learning mm-hmm. science experientially or being able to be in this, this narrated, curated virtual world with other kids around the globe. Oh, and they're yeah. all on this learning journey together. Mm-hmm. How you do it, what it's going to look like. You know, mm-hmm. we are working on some things internally mm-hmm. um, for that space. But, you know, I it's it's going to be what it's going to be. It's, you know, it's kind of like social media. We thought it was going to be the worst thing in the world for everyone to be able to to post whatever they want to post, say what they want to say. And, you know, we're still here. Uh, half the time we're all hot and humans, but we're still here. And there's lots of good stuff that comes from it. My grandma is on social media, you know, and that's good. She can see her grandkids and great grandkids. But. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't I'm, I won't dare say I'm an expert or that I have anything figured out. I'll just say that I'm going to figure it out with the rest of the world and make sure that I'm an early adopter on interjecting positive opportunities for our kids. That's such a great point of view. And this has been a fun interview for me because basically I've agreed with every single thing that you've said. <laughs> um, so I can't uh, emphasize enough that I absolutely agree with you. Um, and it's it's just like you said, with any anything, any technological advancement, there's always good mixed with bad. We don't even know what this looks like yet. Um, yeah. So why shoot down anything before something really cool could potentially happen? We don't know. Um, yeah. One of the things I wanted to ask you about, and you've 
You've definitely addressed kind of how kids are already incorporating the metaverse idea, but do you have any fun predictions or things that your kids have talked about or things that you've seen with some of the Banneke kids about what you think, how they're going to incorporate the metaverse, how they're going to, what things are going to change in how we live, play or work or what they're already doing or like, what are the kids up to these days? (laughs) You know, I will tell you that kids in general, from the kids I've spoken to, they have no idea what this metaverse word is. You know, they're not, Mm -hmm. their generation isn't really talking about it but they're absolutely already experiencing it. You know, as we mentioned, Fortnite is a very um, high level example of, you know, a metaverse type of experience. You know, I've had this conversation with a good friend at Epic Games, you know, um, kids being able to come into this. And when Fortnite came out, people were like, oh, my God, my kid is in their headset talking to these other people. What in the world? Right. Um, and so I would just say that I think. My predictions is it's going to be crazy. When you look at all of the quote unquote real estate and um, I say quote unquote real estate because I just don't get that how I'm buying virtual space, but I'm not going to be an old fogey about it. Um, But you you look at the digital artwork and, you know, the the value of something is always connected to the perspective of the buyer, period. And if the world decides we want to value digital art, we want to value virtual real estate, we want to be able to create worlds that have never been created before in a virtual Mm -hmm. space and then invite others to enjoy it, you know, will I spend lots of time in an Oculus so that I could be in a metaverse world? I can't tell the future about myself. You know, I can't claim my own future. Mm -hmm. Uh, in that regard, but I can't, I just can't see it yet. Honestly, I can't see myself existing in that space. Maybe there are other components of the metaverse that I just don't get yet, but I definitely mm-hmm. see myself and Kandake Tech, our parent company, building metaverse experiences for the generation who finds that to be normal and to be just a part of the way they do life. And as with everything, you know, something that's here today may evolve and be, you know, if a kid is spending way too much time in their Oculus today, eventually that will become old and they will come back out and socialize with the real world. I will say that the thing that we have to be cautious about, I imagine, if I can tell for my own self, is anytime our kids or adults, anytime we spend so much time inward and in these fantasy worlds or in these boxes, Mm -hmm. those are times when you're not cultivating real relationships. And if your internet goes down in your community for a week, holy cow, <laughs> what are you going to do with yourself? You know, where are the real cherished relationships? And, you know, I've seen that happen to kids, whether it's they were avid gamers, they had so many friends, but then all of a sudden their PC is broken for a month and they're sitting around, they're depressed because they don't have any real friends anymore because all the real friends that weren't gamers have moved on. And, you know, it's so we'll have to find a way and this is, you know, a problem that doesn't even exist yet, at least for the metaverse, find a way to make sure that we're still keeping the real human connections with those who mm-hmm. aren't inside the metaverse. I think you're absolutely right on that as well. Um, before we get into our last little segment, I want to summarize a couple of the things we've been talking about. One is that kids need better ed tech to get into the gaming space. There's not a lot that helps kids cultivate content creation, gaming, artistry. Banneke is doing that and is doing a good job of it, but we need more of that, um, more things for middle and high school kids 
in gaming beyond just the kind of hooked on phonics type <laughs> stuff for younger kids. One of the things that I think is so cool that you do is you work to establish establish talent pipelines within an industry. So yeah. you start with the school age kids and try to get them involved in STEAM programs and things that can actually help them cultivate a talent and build up an industry that might be within the community already. So not mm-hmm. only is the community supported, but that person is supported. They're able to find a passion when they're young and pursue it in a way that's sustainable and healthy and not just every kid dreaming of going to the NBA. Although I'm still in favor of those dreams too. Yes. (laughs) And one of the other things that we talked about was that DEI should be synonymous with ROI. And I think that should be a bumper sticker basically at this point. Um, Bringing more voices to the table only widens the community. It brings on the best talent. It helps you bring more consumers in. All of that good stuff. And the final point I want to summarize real quick is that we're not going to be old fogies in 2022. We might not know what the metaverse looks like, but we can certainly work to build cool programs and bring in cool things uh, to support the people that are interested in the metaverse concept and keep finding ways to interact both online and offline um, in our communities. Which this has been such a fun episode. It's been so great having you on. For the very last segment, I like to ask every guest to do a moment of reflection. I think this is just a chance for you to give any advice to people out there who may be looking to be entrepreneurs, maybe looking to be better parents to their kids, or maybe just are interested in you and your story. But what is one thing you would like to tell your younger self about getting into the gaming industry and being successful? Well, and if you'll allow me, I will kind of can I replace gaming industry with entrepreneurship since, Absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. since I'm not so immersed in gaming that, you know, I don't want the gaming folks like she's not really an OG in gaming. So she no, can't. but that's, that's <laughs> the idea of the show, right? We want people who are also a little bit on yeah. the outside, maybe. So yeah. that's good. OK, so I would say. That as an entrepreneur, I've never found more satisfaction and happiness than when I shaped my entrepreneurship around the realities that I was seeing in life. Um, mm-hmm. You know, being in my early to mid forties right now, uh, you know, one could say, "Oh, you're a mom, and you're, you know, you, 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 you're, you, you're mid forties. You shouldn't be thinking about starting an entrepreneurship right now. Uh, that's a young man's game. That's a young lady's game." But I would say that it's all, every stage of life has its own purview to this, the problems and solutions that our world is having at that moment. And so whatever stage you are currently in in your life, you have a unique front row seat to problems that your peers are having. Your peers may be other moms of teens. Your peers may be other young women and men in their early 20s who are, you know, transitioning from college into the real world. Uh, in, yeah, into the real world. Mm-hmm. Your your lens might be a 12-year-old who understands what's going on in gaming. Uh, whatever stage you're in, you are perfectly qualified to innovate and you don't have to wait till you have it all figured out. If the value proposition of your goal makes enough sense and truly shows impact for others, then you can find people that will gravitate towards your mission. I was telling someone uh, maybe an hour or so ago, 
most of the, the partnerships that I have right now, they all came from one LinkedIn DM, a 20 minute call, no PowerPoint and no product to show. It was simply the fact that I was very passionate about what needs to happen in the world. And I don't know how we're going to do it. We'll find people to help. But if your mission and what you're trying to build, all you have to start with is your vision. Of course, you got to do some research, market research, competitive right. analysis. You know, all, all the business basics still matter. My degree is in finance, so I'm still, you know, believe in those things. But innovators are crazy and we just got to jump right in and change the world. And so I would tell my younger self to always be looking for the problems and always be willing to be a part of the solution and don't worry about having it all figured out before you get started. The world will gravitate towards you if you have a good heart and the mission you are trying to solve will truly change the world. I love that. That's <laughs> such a perfect place to end. If people want to find you, where can they find you if you if you want to be found as well? I want to be found. Yes. Fine. Okay, good. <laughs> So you can find me on uh, Banneke.com, B-A-N-N-E-K-Y.com. You can find me on LinkedIn. I am notorious for responding to my LinkedIn DMs. So feel free. Uh, and it's Erica Molet, M-O-L-E-T-T. And so, yeah, I would say those are two of the easiest ways to find me. You know, I'm I, again, I'm Gen X. So, uh, you know, I can't give you my Instagram handle and all that other good stuff. But <laughs> I, that's my weakness. Honestly, I need a young person. Hopefully there's some young people watching who are like amazing at social media that want to help me. Uh, but, but those are some great ways to find me. I can't thank you enough for coming on. It's been such a pleasure for all of our listeners. Be sure to reach out to Erica, send her your questions. If you're really into social media, reach out to her for sure. Uh, and also don't forget to leave those five-star ratings and reviews for me. And then yep. check out our other Holodeck Media podcasts, including Meta Business for all the metaverse finance stories you could ever want and Business of Esports for interviews with industry leaders. You can catch me Wednesday nights on the Business of Esports live after show. And you can catch this podcast in your feed every Tuesday. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Yay! Thanks for joining us here on Meta Woman. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast everywhere you get your podcasts, leave a five-star review, and tell your friends, family, and colleagues all about us. Also, make sure to follow Meta TV on all socials to get more of the best Metaverse content anywhere. Tune in every week for another episode of Meta Woman.